Our reading from the first book of Samuel. During the time young Samuel was minister to the Lord under Eli, a revelation of the Lord was uncommon and vision infrequent. One day, Eli was asleep in his usual place. His eyes had lately grown so weak that he could not see. The lamp of God was not yet extinguished, and Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. The Lord called to Samuel, who answered, Here I am. Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I did not call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again the Lord called Samuel, who rose and went to Eli. Here I am, he said. You called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you, my son. Go back to sleep. At that time, Samuel was not familiar with the Lord, because the Lord had not revealed any him, anything to him as yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So Eli said to Samuel, Go to sleep, and if you are called, reply, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him, not permitting any word of his to be without effect. Thus all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, came to know that Samuel was an accredited prophet of the Lord. Verbum Domini. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry. Blessed the man who makes the Lord his trust, who turns not to idolatry or to those who stray after falsehood. Sacrifice or oblation you wished not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Burnt offerings or sin offerings you sought not, then said I, Behold, I come. In the written scroll it is prescribed for me. To do your will, O my God, is my delight, and your law is within my heart. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips as you, O Lord, know.
Dominus Vobisco. Lexio Sancti Evangelii secundum Marco. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. Well, in today's gospel, we see that the healing power continues, huh? following Jesus' baptism. Today is the third day of our little mini-retreat with these six homilies, this Monday, January 8th through Saturday, January 13th of 2024. And this third homily this morning is titled, indeed, The Healing Continues. What can I give to Jesus? For my own healing, in other words. Monday was titled, Jesus' Baptism, His Public Ministry Begins, His Great Epiphany, His Great Appearing. Yesterday on Tuesday was titled, Jesus' Healing Powers and Miracles. And we made it clear that his first public miracle following his baptism was the casting out of demons. And then today's gospel, which follows yesterday's gospel, with that casting out of the impure spirit, we're told three times in today's gospel that he does the same thing. He drives out demons, he casts out demons, along with other healings. So again, the healing continues, right? And indeed it does. But we wanna ask ourselves today on this third day of this little six day mini retreat, homiletic mini retreat, what can I give to Jesus for my own healing? So what do we have going on in today's gospel? A lot of activity, that's what. <laughs> We just heard it. A lot of activity on Jesus' part. He has just left the synagogue. He goes to Simon's house and cures Simon's mother-in-law, who is sick with a fever. People are then bringing the sick, the lame, and all who were ill or possessed by demons right there, quote, at the door, end quote, of where he's staying at. They are all gathered right there at the door. In fact, we're told in the next sentence, 
the whole town was gathered at the door. Right out of today's gospel. You know, you got to put yourself there. When you pray your Lexio Divina, your divine reading of scripture each day, you know, even if it's just a 10 to 15 minute exercise of a certain chapter, just one chapter a day, let's say, part of Lexio Divina, a big part of it, is literally putting yourself there in the scene you're reading about. So picture yourself there off to the sidelines, if you will, literally watching this entire village or town gathered right out the door of where Jesus is staying. A little bit chaotic as well, you could picture that, because everybody wants a part of him and his healing power. The whole town was gathered at the door. In short, Jesus cures many. Yet the next morning, he rises very early before dawn. He leaves and goes off to a deserted place to pray. So amidst all this healing activity, prayer in his life to his heavenly Father remains prominent. He goes off the next morning to a deserted place to pray. Simon and the others pursue him, and upon finding him, tell him, and you can picture Peter saying this, everyone is looking for you. Can you imagine that? Old, impetuous, grumpy, curmudgeon Peter, right? Old, impetuous Peter. You can picture him saying that. Everyone is looking for you, and what, you're off, you're off to the, some deserted place praying? You know, you can Peter, picture Peter flailing his arms, you know, talking to Jesus. And what does Jesus say in response to Peter? Let us go on to the nearby villages then, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So now he's going back to activity. So a question for us at this point is, prayer a prominent part of our busy, hectic daily activity? You know, even cloistered monasteries like Mother Angelica's Poor Claire Nuns, 45 minutes north in Hansville, at Our Lady of the Angels Monastery, home to the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament in Hansville, Alabama. Even the cloistered communities have daily activity. You'll have one sister who's the sacristan, one or two who's the cook, one who's the portress to greet guests, those who clean, those who work outside in the cloistered yard. Does prayer remain prominent amidst our daily activity? So Jesus continues on and he travels to other synagogues and he went on preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. That's the third time the demons are mentioned in today's singular gospel. He continues on and travels to other synagogues and went on preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. Are you tired yet? <laughs> All this activity of Jesus? <laughs> All are going to Jesus. They want Jesus, plain and simple. Do you want Jesus? Do you go to Jesus? And if so, what do you take to Jesus? All these people who go to Jesus and flock to the door where he's staying are taking something with them to Jesus. Their illness, their possession, whatever it is, their lameness, their muteness, they're all taking something to Jesus. They want Jesus, plain and simple. Do you want Jesus? Do you go to Jesus? And if so, what do you take to Jesus for your healing? Keeping in mind that amidst our own daily activity, we keep prayer prominent, just like Jesus did. Amidst all this daily activity, he went off to a deserted place to pray. So I've come up with some things that we can give to Jesus that have to do with our daily activity. 
It's quite a litany, so you might want to fasten your seatbelts for this one. What can I present to Jesus? What can I give to Jesus? Some aspect that might need healing, major or minor, huh? I can give Jesus my life itself, my health, good or ill, and anywhere in between. I can give Jesus my past, my present, my future. Keep those three in mind because I'm going to be coming back to them shortly. I can give Jesus my past, my present, my future. I can give Jesus my mistakes, my successes, my failures. I could give Jesus the world and all of its troubles, civil wars, regional wars, world wars. I could give Jesus the souls of my recently deceased loved ones, all of my deceased loved ones, back to the seventh generation. I could give Jesus all my loved ones who are now still living. I can give Jesus my issues, my dependencies, my addictions. I can give Jesus my spouse, my siblings, my parents, my family, my friends, and my enemies. I want to give my enemies to Jesus. Jesus tells me to love my enemies. I can give Jesus my personality, my likes, my dislikes, my projects, my plans. I can give Jesus my home, my job, my boss, my supervisor. I can give Jesus my procrastinations, my obsessive compulsiveness, my anger, my joy. I can give Jesus my passions, my emotions, my feelings, my virtues, my vices. Regarding the body-soul compositeness that each one of us share, I can give Jesus my five bodily powers or five bodily senses of sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. I can give him my four primary faculties of my soul, intellect, will, memory, and imagination. I can give Jesus all these things, huh? We give him our crosses even. So maybe some of these things are your cross, your crosses. I love James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, because it tells us this. My brothers and sisters, count it pure joy when you are involved in any sort of trial. Realize that when your faith is tested through trial, this makes for endurance. Therefore, let endurance come to its perfection so that you may be fully mature and lacking in nothing. So trials can have their benefit. You know, St. Augustine, who suffered terribly from a lust addiction, he tells all in his confessions. St. Augustine says, trials and tribulations offer us a chance to make reparation for our past sins and faults. On such occasions, the Lord comes to us like a good physician to heal the wounds left by our sins. Tribulation, therefore, can be like a divine medicine, St. Augustine tells us. And it can be. Is it an illness, your cross? Is it a disease? Is your cross your worry about your past? Is it anxiety about your future? I love the part of the sacred liturgy, the Holy Mass, right after the hour, Father, but before the communion rite, where we hear the celebrants say, protect us from all distress as we wait in blessed hope. And then right after that part, he says, Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, I leave you, my, I give you. 
So here are the three themes right after the Our Father, but before the communion rite at every single Mass we attend. Protection from distress as we wait in blessed hope and having peace. These are the three themes that Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, places before us just before we receive the Eucharist. Can you ask for any better game plan? You know, we just had the national championship. Maybe I shouldn't say that here. We, we all know we just had it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Talk about a game plan. Just before we receive the Eucharist, protection from distress, as we wait in blessed hope, and having peace, huh? So whatever your cross is, don't let it get you down. Is your cross about the world economic situation? Maybe some investments you have. Is your cross a certain vice you're struggling with? An addiction, dependency, a certain issue? Is your cross your spouse, your siblings, your parents? All the things I just gave you a few moments ago can transform into crosses, right? Is it a coworker or coworkers in the plural? What's your cross? Is it your past mistakes? Is it your failures, your job, your boss or your supervisor, your finances or financial situation, your procrastinations, your obsessive compulsiveness? See, a lot of these things cross over into both lists. Things we want Jesus to heal can also simultaneously be the cross that we're bearing. But again, James 1, my brothers and sisters, Count it pure joy when you are involved in every sort of trial. Realize that when your faith is tested, this makes for endurance. And let endurance come to its perfection so that you may be fully mature and lacking in nothing. And again, St. Augustine, trials and tribulations offer us a chance to make reparation for our past faults and sins. On such occasions, then, the Lord comes to us like a good divine physician to heal the wounds left by our sins. Therefore, tribulation can be like a divine medicine. Why? Because Jesus wishes you to share in his cross just like he bore his cross. Look at that beautiful crucifix right there on the center of the altar. Jesus wants you to share in that. He's the head of that body, and you're members of that body, right? Okay, I mentioned past, present, and future. You know, sorrow about your past worry about your present, anxiety about the future. There's three great quotes from three great saints that talk about the past, the present, and the future that I think give us a great lesson. And this reminds me about my final point for this third homily of our little mini retreat. Turn to the saints in time of trial. Amen? Turn to the saints, the communion of saints. I'm talking about the church triumphant in heaven, primarily but also the members of the church suffering in purgatory, also known as the members of the church penitent, right? And also turn to your own brethren still living, members of the church militant still living on earth, the church triumphant, the church militant, and the church suffering or the church penitent in purgatory. All three tiers of this three-tiered hierarchy known as the doctrine of the communion of saints. St. Padre Pio says, my past, O Lord, to your mercy, my present to your love, and my future to your divine providence. Isn't that great? The wisdom of the saints. And he was kind of an old curmudgeon by his own admission. He was kind of like St. Peter, Padre Pio was, for a lot of crosses though. It's kind of understandable why he might have been a little old curmudgeon. My past, O Lord, to your mercy, my present to your love, 
and my future to your divine providence. And the people loved him, and a beautiful, wonderful confessor. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, one of our own great American saints, wife, mother, and foundress, she says this, Oh my God, forgive what I have been, correct what I now am, and direct what I shall become. See how that ties into past, present, and future like Padre Pio? Oh my God, forgive what I have been, correct what I now am, and direct what I shall become. And St. John Paul II, remember the past with gratitude, live the present with enthusiasm, and look forward to the future with confidence. Isn't that great? St. John Paul II, remember the past with gratitude, live the present with enthusiasm, and look forward to the future with confidence. St. Padre Pio, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and St. John Paul II, all telling us how to handle the past, the present, and the future. Great stuff from the wisdom of the saints. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about possession, demonic possession, and we mentioned that three categories that exorcists are in agreement on that can be doors or portals to demonic influence in somebody's life is patterns of sins, occultic activity, and being a victim of trauma because healing might lack in that victim. Even though the victim himself or herself is innocent in, in what they witnessed, they, they can possibly not be healed from that traumatic event. And so evil forces can take advantage of that woundedness, what, what the spiritual masters would call woundedness. In his book titled, Diary of an American Exorcist, Demons, Possession, and the Modern-Day Battle Against Ancient Evil, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti has a little short chapter on the use of relics during an exorcism with his team, okay? Usually one other exorcist and also a team of lay people that assist as prayer warriors during that. But the exorcists proper, of course, are the priests. He says this in a little chapter of that book titled, our powerful intercessors, because I want to end with the importance of turning to the saints in your woundedness and in wanting yourself to be healed, whatever that kind of healing might be. We turn to the three-tiered hierarchy of the doctrine of the communion of saints, right? He says this, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, he says, in our little chapel, we have several dozen relics of the saints. Depending on the situation, we will bring a few out to use during each exorcism session. So that particular day, I had in hand a small one, 1.5-inch diameter receptacle with the relic of St. Peter the Apostle inside of it. I laid it on the temple of the afflicted person and their body visibly jerked. I commanded him to tell us which saint it was, keeping the relic's identity hidden. And he said in reply, Peter. Demons aren't psychic per se, but they know some things that are hidden to humans. Clearly, it was causing the demons considerable distress, this relic. Another of our go-to saints is the young Italian mystic, St. Gemma Galgani. We will often invoke her during, we will often invoke her aid during exorcisms. Several times, the afflicted have told me that they felt a special, special healing grace when we called upon St. Gemma. We have similar stories about St. Padre Pio and other saintly intercessors. In a previous case, we knew that the afflicted person had a special devotion to St. Joseph, as do we, the exorcism team. So we invoke St. Joseph repeatedly. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. 
Saint Joseph, pray for us. The demons responded, stop, stop saying his name, get him off us. We continued to invoke Saint Joseph and we knew that he was close and helping us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Joseph cast out the demons. It was a very fruitful exorcism session that day. You know, one of St. Joseph's titles in his 32 title litany is St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Monsignor Rossetti ends with this, that little short chapter. He says, one of the great graces we receive in the course of our ministry is a personal experience of the truths of our Catholic faith. In those sessions, we experienced firsthand the powerful communion of the saints. These holy men and women are with us, helping us in our lives and ministries, including helping us cast out demons. On the beautiful feast of all saints each year, let us echo the words of the abbot St. Bernard, quote, when I think of them, the saints, I feel myself inflamed by a tremendous yearning. We long to share in the citizenship of heaven, to dwell with the spirits of the blessed, end quote. Monsignor Rossetti ends, may we too long to be counted among the saints and one day join their company. What a gift we have in the communion of saints in general, with the individual saints in particular. Remember to always turn to them frequently during any time of distress or anxiety or healing. God bless you.